Welcome to another episode of the Games in Schools and Libraries podcast. I'm Donald Dennis, and I'm absolutely thrilled to have back one of our original set of co-hosts here, Stephanie Fry. Hello! Welcome back to the show. Thank you. It's awesome to be here. It has been a while. It has been a while. So those of you who have not listened for ever and ever may not know that Stephanie was uh, the first replacement for Giles on the <laughs> Games and Schools and Libraries podcast, and also was the editor for back when we had a thriving Games and Schools and Libraries blog, and my co-host for ShushCon for uh, the first three years here locally, and then even once you moved away, you were such a huge help for year four. And of course, you were going to be a huge help for year five, but we canceled it. We did. Something happened. Oh, no. Much sadness. It is. Oh, it was going to be the best year yet. I swear it. And there's no proof otherwise. It is. And actually, the numbers are in the favor of backing you up. If numbers are proof, and our leadership thinks so, best year ever. Oh. But anyway, so enough about that. We uh, did have to cancel ShushCon, and we've you know contacted the uh, publishers, and some of them have said, sure, just put those into the library collections. Uh, or do whatever you want with this stuff that they've given us. Some have said, hold on to it until you do ShushCon again. We have faith in you. We know it will happen. And it's pretty exciting to you know, have a bunch of publishers who sort of know what's going on and, and you know are willing to participate in this way. So that's oh, pretty Oh, that's awesome. Cool. Dude, I'm, I'm glad to hear you've got folks being like, yeah, it's cool. We know you'll do it. Well, I don't think any of them want gamers to die off en masse. So, yeah, they're, they're willing to support this. Oh, yeah. Uh, but also, we just couldn't do without gaming on the weekend of ShushCon, and since we were not supposed to leave our houses and, you know, go contaminate or be contaminated by friends, uh, you came up with a brilliant idea. And, and what was that? Uh, so I thought that we could just host a con uh, online. Ooh. Um, and, and it was neat. It was 12 hours of gaming fun. It was. It was 12 hours of gaming fun. I was dead the next day oh my god <laughs> you know i was wiped out too and i really i didn't do all that much either i mean especially not compared to everything you had to do Ooh. so so what we ended up doing oh that was a fun time we ended up so i i just couldn't you know spend shushcon weekend just not gaming or running any of my games and i i'd intended to run my fake games uh, RPGs that I was going to run at Sheshcon online, and I thought, huh, why don't why don't we just do like a mini con online? So I got together yes. a, a Discord channel, um, and for those of you who don't know Discord, it's a um, communications platform, and it's right. really neat. It's supposed to be a sort of lighter version of like Skype. Skype's a little bit more hardware intensive, so a lot of gamers use Discord so that they can play like Final Fantasy and uh, Secret World and whatever other MMO in the forefront and have this lighter communication device in the background. And if you've ever had to podcast using Skype like we are doing now, you know that it is pretty much fueled by rage and disappointment. <laughs> um, so the the constant updates... The excessive use of your computer's resources, the uh, it doesn't drop out nearly as much now as it used to, but Skype is just 
been a mixed blessing. It's like, oh, we can do this, but but we don't want to because Skype is horrible. We and can, Discord, but do we want to suffer through Skype to do it? Indeed. And so Discord is part chat room, part uh, yeah, communications, and a lot of different groups have their own Discord. And like you, and something we probably should talk about is why you thought, hey, let's run this online, is that you already use Discord as one of the tools to sort of manage your streaming presence, right? Yes. Um, so there's been a couple times where I've decided, okay, I'm going to stream some RPGs online. Um, so somewhere out there in the world is a little server named, uh, I think it's NFPGs or something. And I'll usually pull all my players into it and just organize them through there. And one of the weird, neat things you can do in Discord is you can change your username per server. Mm-hmm. So I usually am like, all right, this is the player name, this is their character name, and I have it right there so I can look at it constantly. Right, 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 right. Well, and another thing I thought was neat is that so within the group of our convention, which we called Condemic, um, <laughs> because, well, reasons, probably don't need to be gone into at this point. <laughs> <laughs> True. Um, and uh, that uh, you had tables set out. So it was like, hey, if you want to play this game, go to that table. And it was pretty neat because that would have its like own voice channel and its own little texting channel. So it wouldn't get in the rest of in the way of the rest of what everybody else was doing. And it also had it set up so that you could, if somebody was one of the admins, they could go through and change the name. So you know, like, oh, at this table, this game is being played. And, you know, so that was particularly neat. So folks knew where they could drop in. And so example, I knew that you guys were playing Machi Koro at a you know, on a specific table, I'm like, well, I don't want to play that, but I'm not doing anything. So I will sit in, I dropped in, I listened to you all chitter chat and had, I think more fun listening to you all play it than I would have. Should I have sat down and tried to engage with that particular game? And then I learned that there's, well, relearned. Cause I think we talked about it before that there's a legacy Machikoro. And I'm like, that might be the one way that would get me to engage with that particular game. Ooh, that that's exciting. I'm, so. I'm real excited about that. Uh, but yeah, it's really neat the way that you can have that weird sort of con experience of, well, let me drop in on this table and see what they're doing. I might not want to play it, but I can still kind of listen in. And it's neat because you can, if you just want to listen in and it seems like stuff's going on, you can sit there and sort of mute your mic. And you can get that same experience from, say, Tabletop Simulator, which we used a lot of for like the board games and stuff, because you can have Play, uh, you can have people pop into the game and just chill and watch. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In fact, I accidentally popped into the wrong game on Tabletop Simulator because, as some of our listeners might not be surprised to find out, the internet on a Saturday afternoon uh, when everybody has to stay at home was being crushed. And we were obviously not the only people who had this great idea of, well, let's get a bunch of our friends together and play games online. And... Uh, so I heard, so thought I was going into the right thing, and I heard someone say, oh, this person named Walsfio stopped in and was watching us play. Like, oh, well, quick, lock down the table. Don't let them mess it up. And then I learned that I could not mess it up, uh, both because I couldn't click on anything as a guest, and they, I guess, guests just can't do stuff. So not, not that I would have messed them up, I promise. I, I think you can, like, set things up, which is neat in Tabletop Simulator. Like, that was one of my fears throughout, and it's like, oh, I can lock the table down so people can't just flip it and be jerks. Uh. I don't know what you mean. <laughs> hmm. But so it was neat. 
Now, so that's Discord, and Discord by itself is, you know, a very, very useful tool. It really that, is. One that I can't recommend. It is not necessarily easy to figure out how to use. Uh, but so over on the left-hand side, you're going to have a whole bunch of um, different, I guess they're servers. Yeah, so, they're basically servers. Like, so I've got servers there that are shown up for, um, you know, like a part of the gauntlet and uh, Lin Theory has one and you've got one and there's a whole bunch of folks who have them there. And it seems like people will just chat there, especially if they're streamers and they're not streaming at that moment, that that's one of the best ways to get in touch with people. Right. It's um, sort of a way to keep in touch with your audience when you're not actively streaming. Right. Um, but you were concerned about locking things down or shutting down the server afterwards. I don't know exactly what your plan was. Uh, my plan or, was or basically I wanted to stop people from posting and to stop people from... Uh, basically, I didn't want to have to moderate the server in between and make sure that people weren't just being jerks. I wanted to sort of keep that server as a, uh, as a con experience. Mm -hmm, rather than mm -hmm. a sort of get-together. And I think what I should do next time, uh, as far as things, is let... Maybe make a uh, another little channel in there so that other groups who do actively have these sort of places that they gather can sort of say, hey, if you want to just chill during the week, come check out, like, say, Grandstand Gamers' new Discord or... Right, right, right. Oh yeah, sort of a, a community buffer or the the party game cast. We're doing streaming, and th that's the one thing I sort of wish that we could have done on this server is that I played some of the Jackbox Party Pack stuff with Scott Nicholson, um, who was a you know, old onboard games and did the original games and libraries podcast. Um, he ran it, and he used Discord as sort of the uh, the format and way to do that. Mm -hmm. uh, the party pack stuff because there's less lagging and other issues that happen with it that that make it work better than say Twitch. Yeah. When you're not trying to build an audience now, obviously if you're trying to build an audience, Twitch is the way to go, which is why the Party Game Cast has done all their stuff via Twitch. Right. And they've done something like every day for the past week and a half. Oh wow. Mm hmm. They're already affiliates. Oh, I believe it. Like absolutely. Plus, they've already sort of got that audience. Um, but yeah, like something like that would have been really neat. And I totally should have put something like that on the schedule. So what is, uh, you mentioned a uh, tabletop simulator and what is that? Uh, so tabletop simulator is at its very basic. It's essentially you put <laughs> out 3d objects and you interact with them like that. That's essentially at the end of the day, what tabletop simulator is. And it's just, it's a sandbox. It's, it's a sandbox that you just sort of interact with, but it's specifically meant for being able to uh, imitate a tabletop experience where, you know, okay, I've put a chessboard out here. Let's interact with it. We can play chess the way that you're sort of meant to play it, or we could start flicking pieces around the table. Mm -hmm. The world is our oyster. Uh <laughs> now, but... It doesn't obviously have every game in the world built into it, and you don't want to proxy everything. By proxy, I mean you have a random piece and you go, oh, this is the knight from Catan or the robber from Catan, and this card means that. So how do you get actual games into your tabletop simulator, 
And does everybody have to have all of those games in their personal tabletop simulator inventory? So what's extremely neat about tabletop simulator is that it has a amazing workshop community who has been basically porting over as many games as they can. Uh, and the even neater thing is they're not just porting in like new games, they're making games available in different languages too. Like I've seen Catan in Russian. Um, and the other thing that's neat about that is only the host who's doing the thing has to have the game sort of downloaded from the workshop. Mm -hmm. um, so you can have that one person who's got like 20 games and this other person who maybe hasn't downloaded anything yet and they can still play together as long as the host has it and is doing it. Right. And now most of the ones I've seen are free, but there are charged sets that you can purchase like a wingspan set or something like that and play it. Is that true? Yes. Um, they're sold as like DLC. I think they're sort of the officially licensed stuff. And I wonder if they're, cause I haven't had the chance. I haven't like played any of those yet. So I mm -hmm. wonder if they're also um, more scripted and more of a streamlined experience than the stuff in the table shop, the, workshop uh which speaking of we should talk about that because that's a weird neat thing that's sort of cropped up um there's scripted stuff so you can sort of like customize and almost code certain things like um somebody had a neat thing in the machi koro that we were playing where anytime you put a coin into this green box it counts it and keeps track of how many coins you've got in your specific green box. Oh, nice. Nice. And when we were playing um, Fabled Fruit, if uh, if you were giving me a card, you could either drop it on the table and everyone could see what it was instead of, you know, putting it in my hand. But if you put it over in a box that was near my name, then it would go into my hand and nobody would see it. Mm -hmm. And so that was pretty neat is that it allowed sort of automatic things to happen and I'm sure that they've got a development kit that's got a lot of these options already built in. And I know that some game designers are actually building their prototypes in Tabletop Simulator to try and, uh, you know, get more playtesting and that kind of stuff in. Well, it makes a lot of sense because Tabletop has a, a neat thing where you can uh, port in, like, blank cards and then put stuff on them. So you mm -hmm. could really easily, like, make your whole prototype deck on there. Right. But that's a different game or a different topic, actually. Uh, so talk, talking convention stuff. Now, does Tabletop Simulator have its own voice support? I know we were using Discord, but I can't remember if it also had its own voice. Support. I believe it does. Uh, I don't think I've ever used it just because I love Discord as much as I do. But I, I do believe it's got its own voice support and mm -hmm. it's got text support, too. Right. And I found that the convention... Oh, that's right. It did it. It's got a, it, I remember it had the scrolling um, text. So if someone dropped in to watch your game, they could communicate by sending you text messages and stuff. Uh, for the convention environment, I think it was a lot better to have us all using the various tables. That way folks could drop into the different ones without having to download different apps or, mm -hmm. or open up different games. And it certainly allowed that browsing mentality, which I love as a librarian, uh, to be a lot more, a lot more present. Yes, absolutely. And honestly, I really enjoyed the whole experience because uh, there were some people that I 
had sort of met peripherally, but like had never interacted with that I finally got to like sit down and play games with. There were new people that I met. Uh, it was a good time and everybody was just so sweet. Yeah. I've, and so if we'd have advertised it farther in advance, we would have had a lot more people, I'm certain. But I, I think for a first run and a dry run and a trial that um, it's allowed us to come up with ideas for how to do stuff better in the future without necessarily irritating our attendees for having not done them right the first time. Uh, Cause it seemed like everybody left having, you know, said, Oh, this is cool. Even if they couldn't participate or mm -hmm. the, Hey, this is great. I'm going to play some games with you all. And, um, yeah, there's all, I think a lot more my convention organizing background and your ability to use the tech. I think we can come up with a lot of things to sort of make it go happier and faster. Oh, absolutely. Now, oh, so now one other thing I think for the tabletop simulators, if you're playing, like a game and you notice something is missing from it. Like we needed a first player marker in fabled fruit to keep track of whose turn it was. Um, unlike, I think you're playing Machikoro and it told you whose turn it was. So you, you can actually, um, which I guess we could have done in uh, the fabled fruit. Uh, you can set up where it will swap people's turns, but the fabled mm -hmm. fruit was sort of, not the fabled fruit. The Machikoro was scripted to do that automatically. Right. But that's what I was trying to say is you can bring in other elements. So if you wanted to bring in a particular item as a first player marker to pass around or what have you, then you, you, you're not stuck with just what's in a given, uh, in a given set, right? Right. And you can actually spawn things in from other sets. Um, like, so one of the weirder, funnier things in this, um, which I don't, I don't know if I've ever shown you, like some people have brought in, um, They've made like 3D models of like pizzas and Pepsis. So if you want, you could spawn in a pizza and then like state change it to be the like topping flavor that you want because that's how detailed they've gone into that. Right. Um, but right. yeah, we could have just spawned in like a little king piece or something to just be like, this is first player marker. So is there anything else about tabletop sim that we really want to talk about before we move on? I know that. We can talk about all of this stuff, but I mean specifically relating to our convention experience or, or someone who's just getting started, something they ought to know about it. Um, okay, so one of the things you should absolutely ought to know about it, uh, most games will have a set of rules, like somewhere laying on the table, um, to, to read the different pages. Usually you have to... Uh, so you can do some right-clicking and stuff to interact with stuff in like special weird ways, like dealing out cards and that kind of thing. Um, but you can right-click and go to, it's called state change or something like that, and usually mm -hmm. that will flip pages. Nice. Well, and that's one of the things is I, there were a lot of things I found not as convenient about playing tabletop as uh, simulators I do playing the real game, but the ability to mouse over a card and hit alt and have the text pop up was gold. Hey, yeah, that was magical. That was beautiful because the, the only problem was is that everybody got to see where your hands were. So I'm sure everybody saw me looking at every card every turn. <laughs> but it's like, oh, Donald's spending a lot of time hovering around that card. I bet that's what he's going to do next turn. I'm going to go there so he has to give me fruit. I mean, isn't it the same, though, as if you like pick up each card and you look at it in an actual game? You know, I, I don't need this. I don't need this abuse. 
So, which means it's time to go and talk about the other big tool that we used this weekend, I think, which was Roll20. Ooh, yes. Um, so that one also has, uh, uh, so that one also has microphone Pats. support. It's got, um, chat support. Um, and it also actually has video support. Hmm. Which we didn't use, but it's there. Chris, who uh, we'll talk to, I'm sure, about this tool a lot more in depth also in the future. He's running like a whole D&D campaign using Roll20. So he said something like he bought packages of stuff that relate to the game that he was running or something. He downloaded a whole bunch of maps and whatnot. Yeah, it, so it's neat because you can you can use it for free um, and sort of bring in your own assets or you can uh, get some of the premium stuff. I feel like... I feel like they have a, uh, a Castle Strahd set or something like that. Um, mm. But I could be wrong. But I feel like they do because I think they've been working more with like D&D and stuff. Um, but I've used it before because uh, I've got a friend in Canada and I've got a friend in uh, Great Britain. And we often use it to run like D&D style games. Mm-hmm. And it's neat because it handles the dice rolls. So in tabletop, you would actually pick up the dice or use a, oh, I'm here. I'm going to shake the dice cup. Maybe a dice will fly out or whatever. Yeah. Um, in this one, you just, you know, type in a little deal on the side window. Uh, like uh, It's like know, slash roll, roll 1d4. Or, yeah. Um, and it will give you the results and all that. So there's not a lot of uh, chance for shenanigans with dice. And so... Speaking of which, uh, you also actually have stuff like that. Um, it doesn't come prepackaged in Discord, mm-hmm. but you can add bots and stuff that will do stuff like that. Nice. Um, so, yeah. But yeah, it's really cool. Some of the stuff you can do in like Roll Twenty and in Discord with these bots, where uh, you can actually have them. What is it? You you can have them roll dice, but you can actually make it more complicated than that because I believe some of them you can have them like roll dice and be like, all right, keep the top three highest or something like that. Oh, so like for character generation or whatever. For character generation mm-hmm. or I think is it um, is it Shadowrun where it's like only you roll like a whole bunch of dice and only I think it's fives or sixes. Yeah, champions. It's like sixes for. For penetration or for, you know, and for shadow run. Yeah. And there's even a fudge dice option, which is like roll 4DF. Yep. So it, it it all worked pretty neat. Uh, we also, the way that you were doing it uh, at the beginning, we drew the map that uh, that the world came in or that, that, that the whole scenario was taking place in. And the maps, and you ran the same scenario twice. Mm-hmm. And the maps were amazingly different. Oh, they were. Like the not, scales. Not only in content, yeah, but in scale and in style and everything. I was like, huh, okay, that's cool. Yeah, one group was, uh, what was it? One group's like, all right, we're going to have a tiger zoo. We're going to have this little Christmas town. Uh, second group was out. like, we're going to have a freaking magic floating island that somehow showed up from the last war. Mm-hmm. And it's going to take place in like Vegas. Yeah, I don't know if you were there for uh, the Elvish. I'm sorry, the Elvish Presley impersonator. <laughs> no, that's hilarious. 
I was just there for the end of it. So, okay. But, uh, that, that was neat. Um, and the, so, and that's particularly cool because like say dungeon world funnel worlds or, or other games where the players get to create the map, then it, it tells the GM a little bit, Oh, these are the things I'm thinking about that are of interest to me. Um, mm-hmm. and also helps really impact the personality or performance of the scenario as a whole. So if, uh, now, I was playing a character who could talk to animals, so there was a, uh, a circus, there was a tiger zoo, there was a, uh, a Christmas thing, because I was like, oh, okay, we've got animals potentially affiliated with all of these things. That doesn't mean that it'll go my way, but at least it'll give me something to interact with, right? Yeah, and exactly. So- you're, you're sort of making sure that your your needs are covered there, which is always kind of neat. Mm. And, you know, there was a whole corner of the map that we didn't even touch, uh, possibly because that's where our faces were also floating in the thing. So Yeah. Uh, the other neat thing that actually didn't really come up is you can actually have your character sheets completely on there. Um, mm. So, for example, um, um, my sister, my, my brother-in-law's brother is running a D&D game. Uh, and he's got us putting all of our like spells in there, so you can have it so that it will pop up the descriptions of the spell and automatically roll the two hit and roll the damage. Nice. Uh, we also used Google Docs, which is how you share our character questionnaires. Oh right, uh-huh. I did use Google Docs for this. Um, and so yeah. I made, I went through and made that everybody's name line for their character and their actual name uh, was like. It was what the header one that way it would appear in the flow chart on the left hand side or the tree or whatever it is. And I also put how many like fate points I had there so that you knew what that disposable resource, you know, you could look at that at any time and see what it was or also, you know, more quickly jump to the characters, uh, the character questionnaires that were being shared out. Which was really useful because there were a lot of times when I was like, wait, what kid is with what heroic mm-hmm. spirit? Yeah. And so, uh, but that's, that's neat. It's, it's, it's a serious, I think this is an opportunity for, you know, teachers and libraries. And I sort of mentioned this, uh, when I was talking with Kathleen for you to start teaching your students and patrons, uh, you know, Hey, here are these resources that are available to you. Here's how you can do project management or projects, group projects together and sort of get them used to meeting under different formats, using different things. And sure, we're, we're doing it all via gaming. But if you're organizing an event via Discord and Google Calendars or Eventbrite or whatever it is to get everyone together, so you're doing that kind of coordination. And then you're showing, oh, here are all the different tools. So you don't feel like every tool has to be used the same type, the same way every time. That I think that uh, it's an excellent learning opportunity for how to deal with technology and look for different ways to use your various assets. Oh, absolutely. And, and I would say like even roll 20 has got its place in there because uh, being able to sketch something out and have all of your participants see it is also really like, mm-hmm. okay, let me show you what I've got in mind for this poster board that we have to design. Yeah, exactly. So, so many ways to do it that, uh, that are just pretty exciting. And, uh, I found that it was a wild success, even though, you know, I got to play in a role-playing game and, uh, you know, some card games. 
I then also got to walk into the next room, have dinner, watch a movie with my wife, and then come back in and play something else. It was not like, oh, a normal convention you go to and your home life doesn't exist for that weekend. (laughs) That's Uh, true, which is such a peculiar thing in this instance. But yeah, people could be like, all right, nothing I'm interested in is going on right now. I guess I'll walk away, see what's going on in about an hour. Uh, And I tried to have a schedule up, uh, but I am but one Neff. Well, but the problem with it is the schedule is locked down. I couldn't alter anything on the schedule. Oh, that- I tried to put a couple things in there, and it didn't appear. Oh, no. Okay. Uh, so one of the things that I guess I didn't talk about was I tried to have a, a rules page going on so that hopefully people would like check that out. It was the welcome page. Uh, and what I was mm-hmm. doing is I had a looking for players thing. Um, yes. And so what I was trying to do was... I didn't want anyone altering the schedule. Uh, next time, I will probably give certain people certain permissions to help me out. Uh, I just... Mm-hmm. Since it was so spur of the moment. <laughs> right, right, right. So the plan was I would get people to... Um, so you can basically at people and basically say, Hey, you in specific, I need you to see this. And I would have people at me um, that, Hey, I want to get this on the schedule. Right. And then I just edit the schedule. Yeah, along the lines of stuff that we've learned for ShushCon, I think that if instead of it being, hey, you have organized a place for people to come and game, which is great, that if you also say, all right, between this time and this time, I need someone to just sort of watch the chat room and be able to point people to things that are going on, mm-hmm. or that, uh, you know, I like have, say, Chris or myself, you know, why don't you have this be the... Um, the 20 minutes or half an hour introduction to how Dungeon World works and then yeah. run a short scenario on that. And then that way, a group of people can come in. I can say, oh, come in and learn this game. We won't necessarily play it now. Maybe we'll play it during the next full time block. But then it's like when then when people have come and done that, then you'll know, oh, after this, you can go and play a game that takes an hour or an hour and a half or whatever. Just something to sort of make it easier to sort of, you know, put people in a queue where they're actually doing something as opposed to say, all right, go and watch other people have fun while you wish you could be having fun. Right. And like, it, it, it means that they're sort of, okay, now you know how to play this so we can just dive in without the explanation. Yeah. I mean, and you could also have some folks have like a tabletop up and running on their computers with a specific game set up and then say, all right, just jump in, click this link and you all can play the game. Maybe if I'm not even there. Mm-hmm. Well, that was my intention for um, if if ever my tables filled up enough mm-hmm. that it's like, okay, well, I guess I'll just, you guys are good. I'll leave you to this. Um, right. The only problem was I could ever only be hosting like one game at a time. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I didn't have multiple computers with tabletop. Right, right. Well, and I, and of course I've had... Uh, uh, I saw that a pandemic game made as well, which it almost had to, right? That was oh, absolutely. Yeah. We, we had to run it. So the funny thing about that pandemic game was essentially, I finished up that Machi Koro game. Went, oh dear God, I'm supposed to be running a pandemic game and a fake game at the same time. And <laughs> one of the folks who had just played with me was like, oh, I can get the pandemic game going. And I'm like, thank you, I love you forever. <laughs> mm-hmm. So. Anyway, I think that that's about it. That's I, we we had a great time. 
it it worked out well. It's the sort of thing that we love to hear. It was a great uh, proof of concept. Yes, and uh, basically, I think it was sort of the equivalent to um, when we used to do our weekly game days here at the library. Oh yeah. Compared to when we finally decided to do Shashkan, so my expectation is is that we will, you know, turn it into a bigger event. Whether it's a you know, I mean, it'll obviously never be a daily thing in and of itself, but it could be a quarterly thing, a, a monthly thing. Mm-hmm. You know, if we get really bored and stuck in this long term, it could even become a weekly thing. I hope it does not become a weekly thing. <laughs> See, I could do with like a biweekly thing. Like, I yeah. it, it couldn't be every week for me, but I, I could do like every two weeks, every three well, weeks. I mean, if but if it became a regular deal, it could be like we have the party gamecast guys do it one week. Oh, that'd be cool. We do, you know, we have on RPGs hosted another. We, you know, we we sort of t- tailor it so that there's a rotating cast of activities. And like, sure, there's always tables available for people to come and play. Um, but on the other hand, I would. That sounds like a lot of work. <laughs> so, uh, but my hope is to run something next time. I don't know what it would be, but um, or how I would make it work. Oh, no, I think you got it, because, like, I could totally see one of your dungeon worlds working perfectly through Roll20. Yeah, could be neat. Or even oh, I, the, uh, what's that other one that you run sometimes? The, um... Paranoia, Feng Shui. Yeah, Paranoia. There's a bunch of them, so... I want to do a Fate at some point, or not Fate, uh, I want to do Fiasco. Fiasco would be good. Um, yeah. I feel like Fiasco would be really good. Uh, I hope they do a, a tabletop um, where you can buy the actual fiasco kit from. That'd them, right? be neat. It'd be like let's let's do this. Um, you basically pick a playset, click a button, and uh, and it deals out all the cards because the new one plays so neat. I, I really wanted to show that one to you. Um, oh yeah, I mean clearly you just need to at a certain morning star on Twitter. You know, I yeah, I've got his. I can torment him in person. Do it. He's he, actually he's up in North Carolina. You could threaten to visit him if he doesn't do it. <laughs> I could, but I, I mean, in theory, I could get away with it because everybody I'm staying with right now has a hall pass. Yeah, yeah. Keep thinking happy thoughts. I'm serious. Everybody's got a hall pass right now. Like. So right now, if you are essential personnel in North Carolina, you need like a a permit thing. Hmm. We don't have that here on the Grand Strand. Ooh. So I should probably find my county ID because that would go a long way towards. That would be a asks. great idea. Yeah. God, I remember that one time we were doing Sheshkan, and I think I was the only one with a county ID. I did find mine in the glove box at that point. After okay, that, good. Yes. <laughs> yes, when the alarm went off and we thought the cops were going to show up. Yeah, I remember I th- that. I thought they did. Did they not? Um, They may have. I swear um, at one point they did. I'm sure they did. I'm absolutely sure they did. So. Oh. Uh, <laughs> things we don't have to worry about because there's no. Yeah. Bad words. All right, uh, so Stephanie, thank you for joining me for this Games in Schools and Libraries. Don't wait for the next epidemic, pandemic, whatever, to uh, to join us again. 
you come up with a cool tool that you think would be useful for teachers or librarians, uh, you know, come back and, and share it with us, please. Okay. I'll be and, around. Uh, let our listeners know where you can be found on the internet or where your streams are, if they'll be happening again, that kind of stuff. Oh, they will. Uh, so you can find me and all of my deets at nephilope.com. I've ooh, got ooh. Twitter. I've got a Twitch. There's links to all of these things on nephilope.com. So. Wow, you've, you've developed branding. I have developed branding. It only took me years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not saying I'm judging you, but I am much more happy now than I was five minutes ago when I didn't think you'd have an answer to this question. <laughs> I remember the struggles. <laughs> yeah, and Chris is the same way. It's like, Chris, where can you be found on the internet? And I get a scowl. So. I, dude, I feel that. I, I super feel that. Now I'm just like, I have a website. It's cool. Just go here. <laughs> now more than ever. You need to be able to be found on the internet. <laughs> Absolutely. Like, oh my God. So that was that, that was our chat about Condemic, the uh, the gaming convention where only the fun was contagious. Uh, look for more in the future. Uh, thanks for listening to the podcast. Thank you for joining me. I'm Donald Dennis. And I'm Stephanie Fry. And you've been listening to Games in Schools and Libraries. Well, thank you for listening to this episode of the Games in Schools and Libraries podcast. You can find out more about us and the people who create this show over at InverseGenius.com and all of our other wonderful, wonderful shows, including on board games, on RPGs, the Inverse Genius podcast, and the Room Escape Divas. We are also now joined by the Party Gamecast and Nephilip, who you might remember as Stephanie, previous co-host here on the Games in Schools and Libraries podcast, and our friend Lynn Theory. Thank you for listening. Games in Schools and Libraries is produced in association with the Georgetown County Library System.